<laughs> what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Did you record that? Because that could be the cold opening. And welcome to another episode of Battery Mates. Uh, you got here in Chicago, uh, Toby, and joined with me, as always, from London Town, it is Matthew. Hello there. Hello. It's marvelous. <laughs> it's my, it is, no, joking aside, it is really nice to talk to you. It's been two weeks, isn't it? Two weeks since we I, last talked? It's either been two weeks or about two and a half years, and I can't tell you um when like I, we've we've talked about what we're going to talk about in this episode for a couple weeks now so yeah. it could be it, i have no idea it might be three weeks it might be three weeks i mean time is a very yeah. elastic concept at the moment um well it's great to be back it really is and i and i think um you know baseball isn't back yet but and we'll talk more about that soon but we have we have some creative ways to fill this void um we have a, we have a lot to talk about today somehow we have a lot of talk a lot to talk about <laughs> um so let's, let's get right to it you're in a book the the most important thing we need yeah. to talk about is that i'm in a book about baseball i've been in i've been in other books before um and i assume we're both in kate's like book. opinion polling and we must be yeah, uh I'm in certain. kate's new book i will see myself in one of her characters i'm sure yeah I don't know why she's written a book if we're not in a book. <laughs> That's what the point was. Um, I've never been in a book about baseball, so I was tremendously wow. excited. <laughs> so, um, as as with all good things related to the Washington Nationals, uh, friend of the pod and birthday boy today, Steve Coopin. Oh, this is we're recording on Sunday, so whenever you listen to this, you know, count back to when his birthday actually was. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Uh, he's 38 today. Um, he hooked me up with a guy who um, has written the literal history of baseball in, in Washington. Um, his name is uh, Fred. And uh, uh, he, uh, he, 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 he like emailed me and was like, hey, so I he was talking to Steve about uh, his um, 2019 Washington Nationals season and he mentioned you and said like though you should talk to my british friend who you know he used to live over here and he got into the nationals and now he lives in england and he stayed up all night to watch the games or whatever else said um hey that's kind of weird um tell me what your season was like um you kind of he didn't even ask me any questions he just said what's your what was your 2019 season like i sent him a reply that was like 1400 words long <laughs> Of just like, I don't know. It was like, it was like, hey, would you like to come and lie down on this sofa and talk to me about your feelings of baseball and, and 2019? And I just, I just started talking, and at, at, at the end, I didn't have to pay him loads of money, so it was pretty good therapy. Um, anyway, he, he like out of the blue, I was gonna ask Steve if he knew what was happening with this book, um, uh, and just out of the blue, I got tagged into a tweet, um, and uh, the guy has launched his book. 
Uh, it's not out for a couple of months in the UK for some reason. It's out in July, but he he included a screenshot of um, the bit in the book that I'm quoted at, at some length. Actually, the, the the section I'm in is like six paragraphs long. Holy shit! So, uh, I mean, it's, it's a history of baseball in Washington from like the 1800s through to the the World Championship. Uh, the Nationals are the world champions at the moment for any anyone who's not been following along and he spent um, six paragraphs on you and he sent he said <laughs> yes yeah, so I'm, I'm not i like i'm not even a footnote i mean i don't know how long the maybe he made the book really really long but um yeah it's just a, he included a bit in there about um you know why i got into baseball and um what i enjoyed about the season it's kind of cool it's i mean very cool. is he I, there's a, I mean, this is like the British and American bits of me, uh, 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 the tension between my sort of dual identity <laughs> of my dual nationality. In in Britain, the the right way to celebrate a moment like this is to mock it and uh, say it's pathetic and uh, <laughs> I'm an embarrassment. That's the way to show pride. But in America, it's like high-fiving and saying I'm the coolest person ever. And I'm just sort of struggling with the tension of those two things but um it's pretty cool it's pretty cool it there are hundreds of players who've played in the washington franchises over the years who don't get any mention in this book i'm sure and you get seven six paragraphs <laughs> yeah yeah and um you know i kind of want to dedicate this to those people who chipped in um you remember right. that when uh, yeah when i uh, when we got to the the world championship series and um i looked at the flight costs and it was eye-watering and um Several people sent me some some dollar dollar bills, and I appreciate it then. I appreciate it even more now because, like, the fact that I flew over was what um, made this guy so fascinated by my story. And um, yeah, so thank you. Well, honestly, <laughs> we didn't really look back on that. We because of so much the way everything went down, it, that was really bittersweet when you that game you went to, and. You know, you had a great time, and you lost, and it was like, was it game five or game? It was game five. I went to game four. Game four. I went to game okay. four. So you're up three. You're up. It was even the series then. Uh, yeah, game four. The Astros tied it up. Um, so we won twice on the road, and then I landed in Washington in time for game three, but I couldn't get a ticket for game right. three. So I watched it at like an outside watch party, jet lag to hell. Game four, I had a ticket for Brent Colburn absolute legend i owe him a huge amount already i did and now i owe him my life so uh he <laughs> he is the thing <laughs> and uh, we we, we, lo we lost the game yeah i should buy a copy of the book actually that's good that's a, that is a really good point i'm gonna just gonna write that down um and then game five i watched the first like two hours of the game at dulles airport waiting for my flight oh yeah yeah i remember and then like they they called um they called like final boarding bottom of the seventh inning. And um, I didn't find out that we'd lost until I landed in London. So all the way through the flight, anytime I woke up on the flight, I was like, oh, I wonder if they've like had a come from behind, huge win. That'll be incredible. I landed and it was like, no, we, I mean, it was like a really boring game from, yeah. um, from what I can remember. Yeah, yeah. No, well, uh, you know, if, we have, if baseball doesn't come back soon, we might just relive the 2019 World Series game by game. 
Yeah, we sketched out. We sketched out. We've got a bonus episode coming up for for um, Patreons, which will then release to um, everyone else at the same time. Uh, <laughs> of of Toby and I playing a baseball via the medium of tossing two uh, quarters. Um, after that. We are going to both live watch all seven games of the World Series and commentate on them as if we are there doing the color calling. Uh, no, we, we're running out of things to talk about is what we're trying to say. Uh, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Steve Krupen also um, gave us the rules to that tossing each other off game. Yeah, yeah. Steve Krupen is a huge fan of, of um, getting together with a, with a baseball buddy and um, tossing each other uh into ecstasy so uh well i'm looking forward to playing that game with you uh in a little while but just um one, one thing <laughs> this i just want to read one thing i'm sorry to no no you know, literally literally quote myself <laughs> 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 but it, it it seems so quaint in um in retrospect because obviously <laughs> since december the, the world has kind of fallen apart but at that time we had um an absolute political meltdown in the UK with Brexit looming. And then we, a, a general election was about to get called. And I was like, I don't know if I can get on a plane if an election's coming. And um, it, it quotes me. McGregor says he felt compelled to fly to Washington when the, the Nats made the World Series. Quote, despite the cost, despite the political meltdown and the looming election in the UK, it took me forever to find an affordable flight. And that was even harder than getting a ticket to game four. Even though the Nats lost the game, McGregor calls it one of the most special events of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Which, given the pandemic now, seems like the problems we were having in December pretty uh, low-key. And calling losing in Game 4 of the World Series one of the most special events of my life is something I just hope that my wife and my child never get a copy of this book. <laughs> or, or either of my children, because there's another one on the way and. Presumably, she'll be annoyed about that too. Yeah. Well, don't teach her to read. Uh, maybe that's you saw some cool. of that. Yeah. Well, great cool. You did say one of the most special days or moments. I feel like you have room. There's wiggle room there. And the yeah. I, no one knows that the other I, special I, moments of your life were like involving Newcastle and um, at, at a pub somewhere. It it was one of the most special events of my life to that point. So um, one of covers me for the fact that there was a day in 2012 when Joe Biden almost called me. I was on his call sheet for the day for him to call me happy birthday, but he ran out of time, went to bed. Uh, it leaves room for the time you bombed me to celebrate Mitt Romney winning the... Uh, so there's, there's space. And also it's one of the most special moments in, in my life up to that point, which leaves room for the fact that last week we, you and I together did one of the most, I think, one of the most special things that Battery Mates Nation has, has ever uh, had. One of the purest moments I've ever been involved in, <laughs> which is um, Scott Mulhauser, yeah. uh, a friend of the pod and an absolute all-round uh, top buddy, won the 2019 Battery Mates Prediction Contest with a perfect score, mm. predicting that the Nationals would win exactly 93 games yeah. and that that would get them to the postseason and that they would get to the World Series and that they would face the Astros and that they would win. He didn't get anything <laughs> wrong at all. And we've had this perennial problem with finding a prize for anyone who uh, wins our Battery Mates competition. 
Sorry, Alex, well, we're, we will get to you. <laughs> I had a brainwave. I saw that uh, Charlie Slows, the voice of Washington Nationals radio, someone who I've spent literally hundreds of hours of my life listening to, and every Nationals fan has too, is on Cameo, this uh, place where you can like write in and for a small fee, a surprisingly small fee, yeah. frankly, <laughs> uh, they'll record a video message for you. And so Charlie... Uh, for the princely sum of $35, uh, which he gave to charity. He's uh, raising money for a local uh, food bank uh, in the D.C. area. Um, Recorded a congratulatory message for Scott Mulhauser. I think we can listen to that now. Hi there, Scott. It's Charlie Slows, the radio voice of your favorite team, the world champs, the Washington Nationals. Your buddies found me here on Cameo. I've been doing a little fundraising with these Cameo video shout-outs, donating all of my earnings to the Nats for Good Community Response Fund. They disperse charitable grants to community partners, delivering essential food access, health, and human services in response to the COVID-19 pandemic, which I know has all of us separated, the social distancing one whatnot, not able to do the things that we love to do with the people we love to do them with. But I'm told that congratulations are in order for you because you won the 2019 season prediction contest for the Battery Mates podcast, hitting a perfect score. An exact right number of wins for the Nationals, picking them to go to the World Series, and even predicting they would beat the Astros. Congratulations. What a performance. You you were right on everything. And so I think you should be able to relive that in style. In fact, if you haven't been able to listen to the replays of the postseason games on 106.7 or rewatch them as they were rebroadcast on Masson and as well uh, Nationals Facebook page, they're all available for free right now through MLB.tv where you can watch the games. You can even overlay the radio broadcast over the video with a smart TV or on your computer, however you want to do it. So I think that's in order for you since you were right on all your predictions. You should be able to bask in your glory as many times as you'd like. So on behalf of all of your friends and the Battery Mates podcast, congratulations again, Scott, and hopefully we're all back at Nationals Park soon for Nationals baseball, the raising of the World Championship banner, and the players getting their World Series rings, because we all miss baseball, don't we? Yeah, that was, that was, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I would be, I don't know Charlie's voice as well as I'm sure you do, Matthew, but um, I can only picture if, if, as, a, as a Cleveland fan, if I had Tom Hamilton congratulating me on winning some podcast prize, I would be, I'd probably piss myself. Um, but the, I, I, t- I tell you, when, when it arrived, I got an email notification saying your video message from Charlie Slows is ready to download. I couldn't listen to it because I was so worried it would be <laughs> shit. It was not was shit. Like, this, this guy is going to break my heart if he's recorded something that is just like turgid. It's going to ruin so many good memories I've got of this guy and the moments that he's narrated in my life. But it was great. It was good. It was very good. And honestly, Scott, I regret not having more questions to ask of him. Like, who's going to win the 2020 presidential election? And (laughs) when is the COVID-19 crisis going to end? Like, obviously, it would have been weird for me to ask that question in March of 2019. But, you know, I I just regret not, not having the foresight to have asked him those questions. Well, we should get him on. I mean, but do, do you think there's a possibility he was just like in a zone when he turned in his answers for that? Because he didn't win in past years. In fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't even come close. No, like I he think he some... just guessed and got lucky. 
<laughs> extremely lucky. <laughs> um, okay, so the other thing we need to talk about is uh, the, the Boston Red Sox. Um, oh. Yeah, so the Boston Red Sox, this in the interim here since our last episode, the Boston Red Sox, the Major League Baseball released their report and issued their so-called report, their so-called report, and issued their so-called punishments to the Boston Red Sox organization for um, a scandal that was, at least at the time when it, we first heard about it, you know, somewhere in the same ballpark as the the uh, the banging scheme that the the Houston Astros completed in what 2016 2017 2018 we think um but and, and we were of note the the Red Sox scandal we thought would be particularly the at least the punishment would be particularly harsh because they had a problem in 2017 being busted for using technology um Apple watches right to like just <clears throat> transmit information to the dugout. Yep. And so we thought for sure um, heads were going to roll on this one. And that is not for, what happened. For, for me once. For <laughs> me once. Shame on me. I love that Alex Cora for, got... For me twice. <laughs> fairly mediocre, low-level punishments. I, I love that Alex Cora got uh, suspended, but only for his role in <laughs> the, the housekeeping <laughs> problem. The banging scheme. Um, this is, uh, and also at the, this point, the, the season is fucked this year. So yeah. any punishments handed out for this year just seem sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I mean this this report but, basically so, just, just 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 break it down quickly. So yeah, what they were what they were charged with was, or, or what they they were charged with. Stein, they, there was an investigation into them using electronic equipment to steal science, which you're not allowed to do. No. And according to the investigation, the, the results of the investigation, what they were doing was they had someone on the on the, uh, the, the video replay team, JQ, JT Watkins, who's apparently a former player. I'd never heard of him before, um, but not some like no mark, 23 year old um, doofus. He's like a, you know, a natural baseball guy in the video team. His job, one of his jobs was to try and determine what the signs uh, being used by the opposition catchers were. And as I understand it, I never played Major League Baseball, but as I understand it, every team has someone doing that. They're always trying to find out yeah. what, what is, their, what is their, their sign system so that the, when you've got someone on second base, you can you can try and, you know, that's allowed. They're allowed yeah. to do that. Well, the Boston Red Sox did that was different was that during the game, JT Watkins was using cameras to try and determine – if they were using the right, the you know, which of the signals were they using? How was that going? And then he told players if they had changed up the the sign uh, uh, sequence. So this this is really different. It is actually like fuck the Red Sox and everything they stand for, but it is very different to what the Astros were doing. Yeah. They this only mattered each time Jake T. Watkins actually went and told a player. He had to physically go and tell them. And secondly, it only mattered when there was someone on second base. So they were breaking the rules, and uh, this was a second offense, but it wasn't as serious uh, a, a, a scheme as the banging scheme. Right. Yeah, I think that's right. And the, the one thing that's, I think, hard for me to wrap my head around is the idea that essentially in this report, J.T. Watkins was the 
the the lone gunman here, um, <laughs> and there was nobody on the grassy knoll. Um, it, it does feel like there's no, like Alex Cora apparently, even though he was you know instrumental in the cheating scheme that happened in Houston, had nothing to do and was not aware of what was going on in Boston, which is one step. Like I can't I can't fully wrap my head around that. But then, like, no players, again, no players have been punished throughout any of this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you include I, Beltran getting uh, fired. But, right. Well, I mean, again, was he, he, he was fired for his... Uh, the, the Mets just did for that for, yeah. to be, I guess, good stewards of the game. I don't... <laughs> they didn't have no, to do it. because they were, they, were, they, were, they were annoyed at getting their... Um, uh, asses be every day by the New York Post and the New York <laughs> Daily News. So that's, that's what happened there. I, I mean, to me, the the punishments relative to what Houston got seem about right. Yeah. Right. But Houston was un, un, was unduly lenient in their in the punishments they got, and therefore Boston is as well. But if that's where you're going to set the bar uh, with Houston. I, you know, I don't, I don't have a ton of problem. The, the thing that agrees me more than anything, because it's very, I think, it's, I think everyone has agreed here that uh, this, this video replay technician JT Watkins has taken the fall. He told the investigators that he told players that he was, um, that, that the uh, signs were uh, being changed up and that they should look out for X, Y, or Z. But he said to the investigators that he didn't tell them that he'd learned that information from the use of electronic equipment, (laughs) covering them Mm -hmm. for, you know, so he basically took the fall for the whole thing. So, you know, maybe good for him, whatever else, except for the fact that I really want to know the fact I really want to know that Boston or players are taking care of him. Like, I want to know that he's getting paid full salary right. or like somebody is taking care of him for the next year and he's got a paid vacation to you know travel around europe or well i guess he can't travel around europe now but <laughs> that he's been taken care of because it is very very clear that he's taking the fall for the for the scheme that they managed to hide from the the, the investigators there is no way at all that they didn't know what he was doing, uh, or and how he was ascertaining that information. Yeah, is 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 completely ridiculous. Yeah. So I just hope that he's getting taken care of. The other thing that kind of the fact that basically every team, or not every team, but several teams now, um, and we know of the the Houston and Boston, but it sounds it seems like baseball did a pretty damn bad job of of having strict um, guidelines in place to prevent this sort of thing from happening. And obviously there, there was a line that was crossed in both scenarios that they knew like the people, people who crossed the lines knew they were crossing a line, but every team is using video in a way that they probably major league baseball did not intend for their like review team to be <laughs> using video. Um, and I, it just seems like major league baseball could have headed off some of this at the pass if they would have been more strict about who, what the, what those people can do with their information and, and maybe they were, and we're just not, we don't know about it, but it seems like they have some responsibility. And maybe, and that could be, to me, why they're so, uh, these these penalties are so lenient, is that they maybe there's, maybe this is a little bit more prevalent yeah. than 
Um, we want to, we want to know. I mean, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem like the players taking the commissioner's office very seriously. I mean, Houston basically didn't tell the players about the new rules that had come down. Or that's what that's what they say. The the commissioner's office sent around a memo saying, okay, that's it, no more chances. Any more rule breaking in this way, everyone's going to get fucked over. And they just basically didn't tell the players. I mean, they just can't they can't take the commissioner very seriously if that's the if that's the approach. But well, you know. let's take a quick look from our sponsor and then come back and talk about how we're going to restart this season. This episode of Battery Mates is brought to you by cameo.com where you can find out exactly how much it costs to get celebrities you haven't thought about in years to say whatever you want choose from literally scores of reality show has-beens and feel a momentary glimmer of excitement followed by a sudden pang of sympathy that will take the glow off the whole endeavor and with mother's day just around the corner don't you want the guy who played the soup nazi on seinfeld to record a note for that special mother in your life it's just eighty dollars or a little bit more if you wanted to wear the chef's coat. Cameo.com. No matter what, you're not going to know how to feel. Well, thanks again to all of our, always to all of our sponsors. Um, we, you know, we can't do the show without you. Um, we won't do the show without you. I think that's a better way to say that. We will not do the show unless we're being paid large sums of money to do it. Um, yeah. Certainly not enjoyable for either of us, so. But when you, I mean, the thing is, when you think about it, Cameo's decision to place an ad with us. Yeah. Uh, I think you did some research earlier. You said that Shane Bieber was thirty bucks. Forty dollars, yeah. Forty dollars. I mean, that is their ad with us is the equivalent of seven days worth <laughs> of Shane Bieber recordings. And, and I'm talking 24 hours a day, which you obviously can't actually do. So I mean, that is <laughs> that is a, a huge investment they've they've placed with us. And um, well, let's see if let's see if it pay, if it pays off. That's I mean, their that's their problem to worry about. I mean, the ad read really could have been, and I, and I now I regret that not suggesting this when we when we went back and forth with them in negotiations, but could just read off the players that are available on Cameo and how much they cost because they're pretty cheap right now because i imagine a lot of them have time on their hands but my goodness there are major league baseball players currently in the big leagues who cost 15 or 20 dollars to record a yep. message that's nutty yeah to be clear it's 15 20 dollars to record a message not to you know sign for free agency <laughs> yeah <laughs> just to be clear i don't want anyone you know loading up their uh their local little league team um anyway should we should we talk about baseball yeah should we talk about whether baseball coming back so okay, before we get into this, when okay, give me your best prediction on when first pitch of twenty of the of the next official Major League Baseball season starts. July the fourteenth, twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Okay, okay, we're pretty close. I was going to say July second, twenty twenty. So, okay. I thought before, you were going to go a lot we get into, <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, so there's two different, two different things going on here. Mm-hmm. When do I think baseball should come back? And when do I think baseball is going to come back? <laughs> right. I think baseball is going to come back on July the 14th. I think baseball should come back 
on March the 28th, 2021. I think that having uh, any kind of proper season this year is dangerous and uh, reckless and uh, uh, probably going to backfire. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. Yeah. But I I think that it's, it's really dangerous. However, I think that everyone's very, very gung-ho. There's a huge amounts of money on the line for this. It's the same with the EPL um, soccer in England. There is, you know, literally hundreds of millions of dollars really, really focus the attention of the people making the decisions. And I think they're going to make bad decisions, but I think that's what's going to happen and we're going to come back around July 14th. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I think there's too much pressure now to not... I mean, unless something... You know, the, the, the states that are currently reopening, you know, barbershops and bowling alleys and whatnot, like, if there's a ba- if those things collapse, I think that this could, this could end up... The, the, well, the I mean, this is the thing... Like, you know, number one, do people want to even come out and do this stuff? You know, maybe they'll have their games behind closed doors, sure. But um, there were some reports out of Georgia this weekend where they've been reopening mm-hmm. from bars saying that they usually get like 600 people through the doors on a given evening and they had like two people. Wow. People, the problem, the problem with people going to bars and, and everything else in a normal economy isn't just that these places are closed, it's that people are scared. They don't feel like safe for in many ways for very good reasons because it's a very dangerous environment that we're in with a global pandemic. The second thing is uh, Mississippi is now closing stuff back down again. So they reopened uh, a couple of days ago and they're, they're closing stuff down again because there's been a spike in unnecessary deaths. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. The, the, the thing that gets me about... We should we'll talk about this whole thing, but the thing that really gets me about all of these different options that they're talking about is they're acting as if you really only need to worry about the forty people, fifty people on the two rosters, and yeah. if you can keep those people safe, then everything's going to be fine. But even if the stadium is closed, there are still literally hundreds of other people who who need to be involved. I haven't looked at this breakdown for baseball, but for soccer. A newspaper did a uh, uh, tried to do an analysis of what is the absolute minimum you can get away with to have a game behind closed doors, and they they estimated for a, for a soccer EPL match it was 350 people, absolute minimum, and that is with like no owners, no directors, mm-hmm. no like the usual hangers on, absolute minimum on the on the media side of things. It's at least 300, 350 people. And that's for a soccer game, which I think is uh, going to be on the low side compared to a baseball game, you know, not least just with the players. So you're talking about four or 500 people, minimum, probably more, for a game of baseball to take place. And I just think that's, I think that's nuts. Yeah. Um, things a lot, To me, a lot of things would have to change, and I don't see how they're going to change that rapidly. Um, we'd have, you know. But, what, what do we what do we get into the the the, the plans that they've outlined? Um, did you see that they've got like a secret project? They've given it a code name. No, it's, it's Project Restart. Oh God! So that when they're talking about it on like like on WhatsApp or whatever else, and they're just like saying like how's Restart coming along? People listening in won't know what they're talking about. It's got a code <laughs> name. It's got a code name, so no one no one knows what it's all about. It's fucking smart. It's Is all it very, on the line. 
got to take OPSEC security. <laughs> enigma. So they, seem, they seem to have three plans, right? Yeah. Plan number one, take everyone to Arizona and play a season in spring training facilities. Yes. How do you, how do you feel about that? Multiple games in, in the same ballparks, back to back, that kind of thing. Uh, how do I feel about that? Why don't we go through all three and then weigh the pros and cons? Okay, okay. <laughs> so um, uh, the second um, uh, idea is to have three, I, th- I think, or four regional hubs. So you'd have everyone in Arizona. You'd have you know the West Coast in Arizona. You'd have the East Coast in Tampa Bay, whatever. And they would just play uh, their own regional hub games in like a you know it's like Arizona but in regional hubs basically. Yeah. And then the third idea is to uh, break down the American League, break down the National League, and just have three divisions: mm-hmm. East Coast, Central west coast and those teams would play in their own stadiums in just like a normal completely normal way normal series normal games except for no fans no fans yeah and those teams would play each other 90 100 times depending on when we can actually restart and then there'd be a completely normal postseason but with fan fans being in the stadium under review depending on the health situation at the time yeah, and I don't know how the playoffs are. They, they, I don't. I haven't seen anything written up about how the playoffs work in terms of who. Like, there's three divisions, but does that mean two teams in every division make it? Have you seen this? Yeah, I might be wrong, but as I understood it, um, it would it would uh, be two teams from each division plus a wild card team or two wild card teams. Um, but then they would play at neutral. They would the the postseason would be at a neutral venue, yeah, not normal. It would be all done at a neutral spot, likely Arizona. Presumably, Arizona. probably Arizona, somewhere somewhere with a roof, basically, mm-hmm. because they're expecting to to start late. Yeah, and 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 the idea that they could have fans in the seats if, um, you know, everything's a lot better by then. I mean, it, you know, a lot's gonna transpire a lot would have to go right for fans to be in the seats um by september october november but so yeah my my initial reaction to this is um you know i i, I want baseball to be back <laughs> as much as it's possible but um in, in, a, in a smart way the the idea that we're going to quarantine all the players um it seems a little inhumane um to be honest um, not just for the players, but for all the all the hundreds of staff that would have to, you know, work to broadcast and keep the the stadium and ballpark in good working order. Um, all those people would have to be quarantined. And the initial reports were like without their families, which is, you know, just a little bit for for six months seems a little bit much um, uh, and a lot to ask for for people. I mean, people making millions of dollars. I guess you could make the case that like, oh, that they they signed up for this. They didn't, but um, certainly people making not that much money uh, did not sign up for that. So um, I, I think that the idea of the Arizona plan um, seems completely far-fetched and not likely. Um, the three divisions plan seems like I can see how all sides would come to that kind of agreement um, if they can do it in a safe way, well, quote-unquote safe way. I mean, they're open, reopening movie theaters in Texas, so 
people are dumb. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing. I think the need to separate out whether or not whether we think they should do it and whether I think they will do it. <laughs> I think they will. Yes. Um, I also, I just kind of feel like, from the commissioner's point of view the adage of never waste a crisis is uh, really shining through <laughs> on this uh, three division thing. Number one, um, I think they would love at some point to just fold everything in together. It's just the MLB. We only have an NL and an AL for historic reasons. The only real difference is the designated hitter, which they want to get rid of for the NL anyway. I just kind of feel like they didn't need to do a lot of thinking before they rolled out this three division plan. This has been like in somebody's drawer for a, for a little while. But I mean, the thing, the thing for me, just in terms of whether it's realistic or not, is the idea of teams on the East coast going to New York city once every two and a half, three weeks, you know, the Mets and the Yankees in the division. Yeah. New York is the most dramatically affected, um, uh, city in the country the idea that a team is going to want to rock up to new york twice a twice a month for for games seems not that not that popular no and also like they would this is i assume premised on the idea that new york would allow it to happen like and that's not necessarily likely i would imagine maybe we're still yep. two and a half months from what we're talking about here, mid-July, right? No. Yeah, two and a half months. <laughs> um, yeah. But so, you know, it's only been a month and a half since we started quarantining. But, you know, I, it seems like it, it seems far-fetched to me right now that New York would be in a state where um, we would be, they would be inviting professional baseball. But who, who knows? There's a lot of political pressure being put on this. You've seen the, the reports that Mitch McConnell personally called Rob Manfred and said, we need baseball. We need you to get, get back to this. <laughs> I just think it's, it's so reckless. I mean, I, I get it. Like I love baseball. I want to watch baseball again. And if this was a, like a war, I would say, yeah, well, like we just need to, we need to do what we need to do, but this isn't a war. This is a, a virus virus doesn't give a fuck about our determination or our like moxie it's like a fucking virus it's just gonna try and fuck us up like that's or not even try it's, it's like it's a fucking inanimate like thing it's like you know, it's, this isn't a battle of wills this is a this is medicine and um i just i just think i just think it's really reckless and you know everyone wants baseball back but what what are we going to say how are we going to feel the first time a player gets really, really sick or, or a member of staff, yeah. security, a family member. Like this is, this is really, really serious. Like thousands of people, thousands and thousands of people are dying from this virus and everyone's like, yeah, but when can we get back to baseball? There's money to be made. I just think that's shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, it is shit. Uh, and I think we, you know, we, I, I, I do understand the idea of the fans being like, when can we have baseball again? Because I need it. Um, but it's also, um, it does seem, until there's a way to do this in a smart, safe way, um, which, as you said, might not be until next year. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm still hopeful that something will change in this. Like, nothing, the, the, the 
the lack of testing and you know having a having a vaccine would change things and that that seems months if not a year away but of course and if there was like a you know like the situation they've got in south korea they're really really serious robust um test track and test trace and track or whatever the phrase is where i mean literally everyone has got an app on their phone and if you uh, are tested regularly and if you if you've got it you're quarantined and if you leave the house you're arrested and if you turn your phone off the police knock on your door to be like what the fuck is your your phone we can't trace you um like if all the players want to sign up for that maybe but i don't think that's happening anytime soon so uh, i just i just don't think it's i just don't think it's serious well here's what's in south korea it sounds like the playbook to restart sports and they're starting on uh tuesday is their first game right uh they enacted new social distance rules for players and staff they practice for weeks with practice for weeks and um, contingent on not having new outbreaks that they would move to the next step um they take player temperatures regularly and minimize off-field contact um and then four instant tests for symptomatic players five broadcast fanless games and then they're gonna start on tuesday so um that seems like the you know the recipe for how we would start baseball here, I think the most challenging piece is uh, the, the practicing for weeks without new outbreaks. I don't see a, a, a Korea. No, South Korea has done a better job of, or you know, as you outlined, like they've been able to have harsher rules. I think on on keeping people in line, um, and so I just don't see a situation where as we open things back up people are going to we're going to have new outbreaks and we're going to have new yeah i mean they they had a much stricter lockdown which people respected they have much stricter rules in place on social distancing and mask wearing which people respect and they've got much stricter rules on and the ability to test and track people which which people respect and i think you know you you (laughs) You kind of get you get out what you put in, and across the United States, the the federal government and, and multiple state governments are not taking this whole thing seriously enough, not containing the outbreak, and therefore you're not going to get to a point where the reinfection rate um, and the, the the number of deaths is 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 low enough. I just you know that that's the issue, not like oh where can we play? Right. There's baseball stadiums we can use. <laughs> that's not that's not a problem. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I want to see baseball, but uh, you know, in in the meantime, I would what I would like to see is the teams across the the major leagues, and I think the minor leagues could do this as well. Um, uh, have some tryouts internally, nominate their best player, and get a coin toss league based on the Steve Coopin rules going. Televise it. <laughs> you could do that from your own home. It's just coin tosses. I think that would be great. I think America, that's what America needs. It is what America needs. And you said the, the battle um, against the coronavirus is, is not a battle of wills, but coin toss is. That's a battle of wills. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, there's, there's real skill involved in that. There's oh, yeah. real skill. Oh, yeah. I have a lineup ready. So we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to record this right now, but you're going to have to tune into a very special episode next time <laughs> on Battery Mates. But until then, Matthew... Um, I think, you know, while we're going to be busy tossing, um, 
each other off here. Uh, is that is, am I using off? I shouldn't be saying off, right? Um, tossing the coins. It depends what you're trying to say, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Um, but as we're, as we're tossing the coins at each other, um, what what should yeah. what should Battermates listeners do? Yeah, but, well, at, at, at home, wherever you are, you can do this um, at home. If you've got a balcony or if you've got a garden, even indoors, if you want to try and be a little bit careful, um, everyone listening along should shag those balls. 